0: Dante,
1: Greco. Dante is a really smart guy. And ladies love Dante. Look at that one hair. Look at that face. Dante Greco. Dante was me, yours truly. I'm going to come. Damn right you are, sir. I'm going to make sure of it, Mr. Trump. Welcome to the Dante Greco show. It's uh It's Monday. Lots to talk about, a lot going on with the Alex Murdoch case, so let's just get right into it. Let's dispense with the uh, the introductions and just get right into the work. We do it because we love the work. If I can just add it to the stream. There we go. All right. So, you know, they caught up with his brother. They talked to his brother, Randy. I'm going to tell you what he said. We're going to look into what might be in the future of Buster Murdoch, good old Buster, Alex's son. And what's next for Alex himself, along with a couple other stories, we're also going to cover NBA star Ja Morant getting himself in some trouble. Could be facing a massive suspension if things don't go its way. And um, Bruce Willis' wife is begging the paparazzi to just stop yelling at poor Bruce Willis while he, you know when he's out in public and he's got um, early onset dementia or whatever it is. We're going to cover all that. And maybe more. Let's just start with the Alex Murdoch stuff, though. What's next for Alex after the trial? Well, we all know he's going to the Kirkland Correctional Reception and Evaluation Center in Columbia. We've already talked about that. I already joked that it's made by Costco. It's the Kirkland prison. You can buy it yourself at a massive discount if you're a Costco club member. Uh, you could buy uh, entry into the prison. What to expect during the appeals process? His defense attorney's said they'll file a notice of appeal in both state and federal courts. They will then request the transcript from the dozens of testimonies during the nearly six-week trial, which could take months to procure. Yeah, so like he's just going to be sitting in jail for a while. Don't fret. Then they'll write up the legal justification for the appeal, uh, which will probably include contesting the inclusion of the financial crimes in the murder trial. Right, so they're saying... That um, allowing the jurors to hear that evidence, which Murda has not yet been convicted of, smeared his reputation. It's a compelling argument. I w- really, truly wonder if they're going to uh, get you know the appeal. Like maybe it's a technicality thing where he could be sprung. You know, it's similar to say Harvey Weinstein trying to appeal his New York case when he knows he was staring down the barrel of the LA case, which he just got another 16 years for It's Like either way, you're that old, you're sickly, you're not getting out. So why even waste your time? Unless you're just looking for a reason to get out of your cell and go to court and, and, and all that. So, uh, anyways, the whole process could take up to a year or more. In the meantime, Murda will remain in prison. So, Griffin, who's, uh, who's Griffin? Okay. One of his attorneys, Jim Griffin. That's right. Couldn't remember the first name. Jim Griffin says there's a huge federal issue. The state asking Alex about why he didn't come forward and tell law enforcement where he was at the time of the kennel video after he was arrested. U.S. Supreme Court cases, cases are clear that post-arrest silence can't be used against you. That's a classic violation of the Fifth Amendment. Right. But he was still there, which is very suspicious. To be caught on video, or at least your voice, near the place where your family was killed. Even though Alex contends that it was his cousin, that was his excuse. But um, we all know the financial fraud case is going to be prosecuted. He allegedly stole $750,000 from one of Bamberg's clients, from another roughly a million dollars, and from another $102,000. And they hope that Murda will plead guilty on all counts instead of going through a lengthy trial fighting charges he already admitted to in court. I don't trust that he's going to do that. You know, here's why. Alex Murda, his whole life was being in court. Like, it's fantastic for him to be in a courtroom. That is his arena. That's like, you know, keeps him close to what he what his whole his whole life and career was. If I was Alex Murdoch. I would be thinking, you know what? Like there's there's no way I'm ever getting out of prison, whether it's the financial thing or the murder or even if they decide to. And the prosecutors have uh, said that they have no they, they are not going to comment right now on this woman who claims that she was a sex track trafficking victim of Alex Murdoch. Oh no, no, no. She's a sex trafficking victim and claims that Alex Murdoch battered and raped her years before the slayings. Uh, but the South Carolina prosecutors have declined to say whether they're going to prosecute him over that uh, horrible, by the way, just uh, another, another shining example of uh, what a terrible guy Alex Murdoch was and is but if i was alex i'd be saying bring on every charge you got it's not going to change the way my prison cell looks it's not going to change my day-to-day my my one hour of free time that i get on the yard or whatever you know working in the law library whatever he gets to do making license plates bring on every charge because it gets me out of it gets me out of prison uh, for for the day I get to go to court which I love I love being in court I you know he he, he should be inviting all charges I'm not trying to defend the guy but uh, his assets are already frozen I don't care if all he's left is his body the SCDC jumpsuit and the five dollar sandals they give him it says Bamberg who's Bamberg Excuse me. Let me figure out Justine, Justin Bamberg. I got confused like Justin Bateman and Justine Bateman, Justin Bamberg, the attorney that represents a majority of the victims in the financial fraud cases. Yeah. So they're trying to hold him responsible. And he's the one saying that his assets are already frozen. I don't care if all that's left with him is his body. The SCDC jumpsuit and the $5 sandals they give him. He shouldn't be left with anything because this man destroyed lives, violated people's trust, and put a dark cloud over this profession. You know, is it illegal? Would it be illegal for, uh, I guess they could donate his body to science or maybe sell his organs on the black market to get some money back? I don't know. We've got to get creative here. He hasn't calculated yet how much those damages will be worth. Uh, the civil suit damages that they're seeking against Murdoch, But he said part of him, this is Bamber still talking, by the way, that uh, he said part of him wants to leave it up to a jury to potentially elicit a billion-dollar penalty. I guess that's the new big thing. They got the billion-dollar penalty out of Alex Jones, and now they're trying to just send billion-dollar penalties at every and anybody who can never pay the billion-dollar penalties. I know it probably is largely a symbolic ruling, but... I don't know. It's a little much. All right, let's skip down. Where does Buster Murda go from here? This is coming from the Washington Post, by the way. He is not currently working as a lawyer in his family's legal practice. Yeah, I don't know. Like this might be where the the lineage ends i don't see buster murda having any success as a lawyer there's a i mean the name murda now is kind of sullied to put it lightly you're not going to be retaining the services of buster murda unless he just wants to be like a cartel lawyer you know like somebody out of scarface like if he just wants to represent the worst of the worst the drug cartels, terrorists. Maybe he can open up a um, open a firm in Afghanistan or, or, or uh, you know, is ISIS still around? He can represent ISIS. More criminals, gun runners, Victor Bout, the guy that we exchanged for Brittany Griner. If he needs legal assistance, you know, maybe Buster Murdoch can take the case. Buster Murdoch does have a job and is living elsewhere in South Carolina, though he did not say where. It's not yet clear what will happen to his father's money and what that will mean for Buster Murdoch. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got a pretty good idea what's going to happen to that money. It's all going to be gone. Buster Murdoch, he's going to wind up like Ruth Madoff. You know, he's just going to have to make it on his own. He's going to have to go out there. Luckily, he's young. He can figure something out. Buster Murdoch maybe, you know, gets into crypto Maybe he links up with Billy McFarlane, the fire Festival guy, and starts putting on concert. You know, as like a silent partner, obviously. Again, Murdaugh name, solid. But there are things for him to do. This isn't the end of Buster Murdaugh's life. Unless they come after him for the uh, the killing of his classmate, who the mother of that classmate wants answers. Of course, the rumor was... Uh, This guy was named Sandy, by the way. Oh, no, no, no. The girl was named Sandy. The son was named Steven. The son was gay. Rumors have swirled about her son having a possible romantic relationship with Buster Murda, But the mom doesn't buy it. Buster wouldn't have been his type, she said, saucily. Steven liked older people. Yeah, could have been his age, could have been uh, his red hair. You know, maybe he's one of those anti-ginger guys. But Stephen was found dead on July 8th, 2015 on Sandy Run Road. Hmm, Coincidence. 19 at the time. And uh, let me read this. He was found dead. On uh, the Moselle estate where Maggie and Paul Murdoch would be murdered by Alex six years later. While the teen was a classmate of Murdoch's son Buster, 26 at Wade Hampton High School in the tiny town of Hampton, the slain teen's mom has been wondering about the well heeled family's possible connections to his death. Before law enforcement had even confirmed to Sandy and her late husband Joel that it was indeed her son's remains found on the road, Alex Murdoch's older brother Randy had called the family. The mom recalled that like, this family is just bad news. You stay the hell. I mean, uh, we know it now, but you know, they're one of those families where you just got to stay the hell away from the Murdos. Don't get involved. Don't date them. Don't work with them. Don't do anything with them. Randy called my husband, Joel and offered his help looking into Stephen's death. And that was before we even knew it was Stephen, before the sheriff's department told us that it was Stephen. When she visited the crime scene, the Murdows were there, and state troopers had to tell them to leave. Sandy didn't go as far as accusing the powerful family of being involved in her son's death. Well, of course. I mean, listen, you got to be careful. You don't want to get sued. If there's one family that can and will sue you. It's the Murdows. But she still can't understand their interest in the case. I don't know if they did it or not. I don't care. I just want to know who and I want to know why she said of her son slaying. I don't care what your name is. I mean, this was eight years ago now, just about eight years ago. So I don't know if it would make sense if it's if there's any possibility, I should say that they're going to come after Buster Murda. We do see cases being solved every day now with DNA technology. Possible factor maybe they, they've pulled some DNA, but i would think that you know eight years ago they could have caught buster murda if there was clear dna evidence already charleston pathologist aaron presnell labeled steven's death a hit and run but police first told sandy that he was shot to death at first it was a gunshot then it was a hit and run and it's still ruled as a hit and run sandy said claiming her son had defensive wounds it's not a hit and run it's a murder We know he was beaten. I mean, it was horrible. His eye socket was crushed, and then his forehead skin was like on top of his head, and they just crushed the whole back of his skull. Jesus Christ. The killings that surround this family are absolutely brutal. All right. I got distracted with that. Where is my other article? All right, so Buster Murdaugh. He was kicked out of the University of South Carolina School of Law for plagiarizing by the spring of 2021. Wow. Murdaugh was visibly upset when the verdict was read out. His face reddened. He wiped his nose with his hand and squeezed his eyes, appearing to hold back tears. Yeah, I mean, look, it's his dad. It's his dad still. It's got to be very conflicted. You know, you think, well, obviously, if he killed your mom and your brother, you're going to just be like, F you, dad. But there's the deeply entrenched, you know, they went out drinking after all this happened. They had a like a party time, you know, probably a Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville or something. It looks like their type of place. So I think he still likes his dad, Alex. Maybe he doesn't want to believe that it's true or that it could be possible. Another person who felt that way was Alex's own brother, Randy. Here's Randy. This reporter spent the day chopping wood with Randy to talk to him. Randy looks significantly healthier, I must say. Than Alex, you know, Alex really looks uh, now. Look, I know that the stress of the trial took a toll on him, but also the stress of the opioids and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And just being a lawyer, stressful. Randy's looking good. Got different hair. He lucked out. All right. So when asked directly whether he thought his brother carried out the murders, he said he still did not know. As a lawyer, he said, he respects the jury's verdict, but he finds it impossible to picture Alex, a man he's known for decades as a protective husband and father, pulling the trigger and inflicting the carnage that prosecutors described as a crime of cold calculation. Yeah, you know, it's always kind of... If you're... The person that you know has never killed somebody or come close to killing somebody, it is very hard to picture them killing somebody on purpose. If you came to me and told me one of my friends or, or like cousins or something had killed somebody, I would have to really think about it because it's just not a normal part of life murder. So I get that, but I think Randy's also discounting how drug addiction uh, and a uh, substance abuse period can just change somebody's brain. It's like, it like burned a hole in Alex's brain. It sound like, you know, he seemed to have lost his moral compass. He knows more than what he's saying. Randy said, he's not telling the truth in my opinion about everything here for his entire family. He said that has been among the most painful issues to confront. The not knowing Randy says is the worst thing there is. Well, I mean, look, he got convicted. There's a lot of compelling evidence against Alex. Might be time to just accept it. After six weeks of the trial... The Murdoch family came away more convinced that he did not do this, and they are steadfastly in his camp and support him, the lawyer Jim Griffin said. His younger brother, as we know, John Marvin Murdoch, and his surviving son, Buster, both testified for the defense at trial, saying that he had seemed devastated after the murders. Well, of course. I mean, look, he's not, like, totally cold-blooded killer. He's not the night stalker. He probably did have a lot of remorse, especially if he was high when he did it. Now, I don't know if we can say that, but if he was high, and I think he, he he tried to claim that one of the reasons he was so nervous in that police body cam video is because he had some pills on him. So there's a good chance that this guy was high and killed somebody. And then when you come down, aside from just the come down that, that can feel, you know, get you all out of sorts, the remorse that, that, that just rips through you, you go, oh my God, God, I murdered my wife and my son who I created. I killed them. It's devastating. Yes, Randy. Randy Murdoch was not called to testify. He thinks it's possible no one put him on the stand because he did not align perfectly with either side. He was aware that Alex was a liar and a, and a drug addict. So Well, anyways, that's that's his uh, Randy is continuing at the law firm including taking on a few of his brothers' former clients. He feels the need to explain. Oh, it's nice of those clients to keep their business with uh with the brother, they can easily just pick up and take it elsewhere. But you know, maybe it's harder to find a good lawyer in South Carolina than we think. And the Murdaws, for all we say about them, they probably were good at their job. You don't create a uh a southern dynastic family of law if you're not good at arguing in the courtroom. That's not Randy's fault either, you know. You guys got to work. Listen, I'm not him. I'm doing things the right way. Always have, he tells clients. I don't beat around the bush, and nor do I murder anybody uh, that's related to me. I added that, of course. Well, that's him. Buster Murdaugh, by the way, complaining to police about being followed and photographed on Hilton Head. 10 a.m. Sunday, he called police and complained that a photo appeared in a New York Post article showing him through the blinds of his Hilton Head condo where he lives with his girlfriend, Brooklyn White. Photo appears to have been taken at night with Murdaugh, only visible through a gap between the blinds. Yeah, it's invasive and irritating. Getting followed around by photographers. Trust me, I know. I've been witness to it uh, in many ways on many occasions. But, buster, the storm will pass. It's not going to be that interesting of a case for that much longer. The news media will pick up and move on. Father's been convicted. Financial crimes trial, I'm sure it'll get some coverage, but not at the same level. And unless you start doing some weird stuff, they're just going to leave you alone. They'll probably be there like another week or two working this. And then they'll move on because the clicks just aren't going to be there. The The clicks from the stories that are posted about this aren't going to be there. It's kind of like the party's over and everyone's going home. You know? So, of course it's unusual for, well, it's not that unusual. I mean, look, you've been living with this whole murder, Alex Murdaugh murder thing for a while now. So you should be kind of accustomed to the media attention. Now you're complaining. I was going to say, he's not a celebrity. So maybe he's a little bit weirded out by having the, uh, the photographers following him, following him around and getting pictures. He's not used to protecting his privacy at the same level as say, uh, Prince Harry, but still I would just chill, lay low, you know, go to the grocery store, do whatever you got to do. They'll get a few pictures and they'll be gone. I'm telling you, it's not that interesting of a story moving forward. Especially out there, you know, they just don't have the resources to keep a full-time photographer there. Unless it was a freelancer. It could be a freelancer. Um, so, yeah, Alex has a lot more charges. As I said, my theory is he's going to enjoy getting charged with things once he accepts that he's not ever getting out of jail because the more charges he gets, the more court appearances he gets, and the more he gets to feel like he's back in his old stomping grounds. He should represent himself. Fuck it. One of these cases that he gets, just be like, hey, you know what, I'm going to do this one. I want to make sure I still got it. All right, speaking of photographers, Emma Hemming. Moving on from Alex Murdaugh, Emma Hemming, wife of Bruce Willis, who was diagnosed with... uh, I think it's been upgraded to dementia. It was aphasia first. Now, I'm pretty sure it's early onset dementia, but basically it's a horrible disease. He's like starting to lose recognition, and he can't speak anymore. She is begging the paparazzi to stop yelling at Bruce Willis. Following dementia diagnosis, keep your space around him, she said. She shared this PSA on Instagram after Bruce was recently approached during a rare appearance at a coffee shop with friends. She said that since learning of the diehard star's disease, her new goal has been to raise awareness about dementia. Okay. If you are someone who's looking after someone with dementia, you know how difficult and stressful it can be to get someone out into the world and to navigate them safely, even just to get a cup of coffee, she said in the video praising Bruce's friends who did a stand-up job of protecting him. So this one is going out to the photographers and the video people that are trying to get those exclusives of my husband out and about. Just keep your space. I know it's your job, but maybe just keep your space. Please don't be yelling at my husband asking how he's doing whatever the hooing and the yippee ki just don't do it give him the space yeah I mean look I'm on her side again if anyone knows my background I worked for TMZ for years as a camera guy I've interviewed or tried to interview Bruce Willis in the past I got him once this is a few years ago before the diagnosis of course coming out of a restaurant I tried to ask him a question he said oh why don't you just break your head off and eat it or something funny. I don't know. It was kind of funny, but he he's always had a testy relationship with so-called paparazzi of which I was not one. I was a field producer, but I'm with Emma on this one. The guy is losing touch with reality because of the disease. He doesn't know what's going on. And so all of a sudden you got these guys going, hippie motherfucker, hippie Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. It probably scares the hell out of him. He doesn't remember how to act. You know, he used to be able to handle himself, but now he's sitting there just, I saw a picture from this. He's just sitting there stone-faced like, huh? Like a deer in the headlights. I would leave him alone. Look, the guys want to get some pictures of him to sell. Okay, take some pictures. That's what long lenses are for. Take a picture from the distance, but... You're not going to get an interview with Bruce Willis. His family can't even talk to him. You think he's going to suddenly give you a soundbite? Christ. All right. Leave Bruce Willis alone. He's a human. Let's talk about John Morant. Or as they're calling him on Twitter... Jaw warrant, as in warrant, because he keeps getting himself into legal trouble. He posted a video. I mean, this was like the culmination of a bunch of stuff. he He was uh, earlier in the season, the Indiana Pacers, another NBA team had complained and banned some of his friends from the arena. And then afterward, they like pulled up in a car and pointed red lasers at some of the Indiana Pacers staff, which the security guards around there said the lasers were coming from, uh, from guns from there. So, you know, it was, it could be assumed that they were pointing guns at these guys just to intimidate them. Then the story comes out that he beat up a 17 year old and pulled a gun on the 17 year old. There's questions about whether that was really self-defense or whatnot, but, um, Or did he pull a gun on the 17-year-old? I don't want to say that yet. Scratch that from the record. Now, after that, which already was getting a lot of criticism, when the story came out, people were just still saying, like, look, man, what what are you even doing getting involved in a situation where you're punching a 17-year-old? You're a 23-year-old player who's about to make $230 million starting next year in addition to the money you've already made. And so he decides to go on his Instagram live at 5 30 in the morning in a Denver strip club and hold up a little a gun like that. Now he's been suspended. There's a precedent based on the Gilbert Arenas case from years ago, which was a little bit more of a um uh real danger because Arenas brought a gun into the locker room, but like they're saying Morant likely traveled to Denver with this gun on a team plane. And you're not supposed to have a gun on a team plane. Colorado police are now investigating him and he could face up to 50 games. They're saying a 50 game suspension based on the precedent set by the Gilbert arenas thing, who was just like suspended indefinitely by David Stern, the old NBA commissioner. The the point that everyone's making is why are you doing this job? It's so stupid trying to be a tough guy and that's what bothers me about the coverage and what they're saying when they like, it's like, Oh, we need to rally around jaw and help him. You know, I hope he gets the help that he needs, which skip Bayless raised the question. Well, what are we talking about? Does that mean drugs? Does that mean some deeper question, some deeper, like real problem or, is this just how like everything now is a mental health issue? Like, oh, he needs to get away from the team to help his mental health. Listen, it's a simple answer. The guy likes to pretend to be a gangster. He looks up to the gang. He looks up to the gangster lifestyle. He thinks it's cool. He wants to emulate it. He's got the money now to do it. That's all it is. I think. I mean, unless it comes out that he's got a like a drug problem or like some real deep-seated issue, they're making it out to sound more like uh complex than it is he just thinks it's cool he thinks the gangster lifestyle is cool he wants to be that it's the same as like you know watching a movie, wanting to be uh scarface or the godfather or tupac or like whatever that's all it is and it's just so dumb you put the gun on and it's not even just dumb it's annoying like dude, no one gives a fuck. You you're in a strip club holding up a gun. Like what do you think you're running? You're part of the cartel? You're moving weight? Who you just play the game. Everyone else in sports media has already made the point that, you know, his team, his entourage whoever should be protecting him as the asset. They shouldn't be letting him carry the gun. You know, it's almost like Takashi 69 how the uh what was it treyway his old gang they had takashi all wrapped up in all the crimes and on video you know trying to put hits on people and it almost blew the i mean it it ruined it for the whole gang they all went to jail he snitched and he got free so uh but the but the, they they messed the whole thing up they tried to kill the golden goose same thing with jaw And his mom is like calling. What's weird about it is his mother called him to come and intimidate a security guard at the mall. Just slow it down. I mean, he's 23. Yeah, there he is making the gun, the the handgun thing in the game is like part of a celebration. It's like, just stop. Stop with the fake shit. Colorado police are now investigating him. Colorado is an open carry state, although there are exceptions to the law. It's illegal in Colorado to possess a firearm while under the influence of alcohol. Yeah, I mean, it's not clear whether he drank or not. If I was Ja, I would just be like, "Well, I didn't fly with it in the team plane. One of my friends from Denver met me at the club and gave me the gun. I was just playing with it." Or you should be like, "No, it's one of those like gun lighters. You know, I was smoking. I was about to light a." Cigar at this gentleman's club here in Denver. NBA rules prohibit a player from possessing a firearm while on team property or traveling on team business. Yeah. He didn't hurt anybody. Nobody got killed. So it's not that bad. And it is lucky that it's just this, even though if they do investigate and find out that he carried the gun then he could be facing a massive suspension. He really needs to find a friend right now who's going to take the hit, the fall for him. You know, there's always somebody in the crew that's getting paid to take the fall. He needs that guy to step up now and say, I brought the gun. I met Ja with the gun in Denver. It was my gun. Yeah, it's, you know, I might have to go do a six months or a year in jail or whatever, but it was my gun. It was not Jaw's. That's the defense that I would craft. And then just stop doing this shit. All right. What else did I say I was going to talk about today? Is that it? Oh, last thing. The QAnon shaman is kind of a weird video. Kevin McCarthy handed over all this footage of the January 6th um, coup, field trip, picnic, whatever you want to call it, to Tucker Carlson. And Tucker played some footage of the QAnon shaman. We all remember him, the guy with the bullhorns, being escorted to the Senate floor by the Capitol Police. It's very strange. Let me pull it up here for you. Very suspicious. Do you remember the January 6th? I remember I was sitting there. I just watched it unfold live on TV. It was the craziest thing because they just kept streaming in. And then it was funny. You saw some of the funny pictures. But then you found out that the one woman died. And then you saw the pictures of the cops being beaten up. And then it wasn't so funny. I mean, it was never like, "ha, ha, oh, my God, this is hilarious. This is great. No, it was just like like the one dude who stole Nancy Pelosi's podium or the guy sitting in the chair in uh, Pelosi's office. You know, it was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, it was like bizarrely funny. And they're all in jail now or or facing prison. So nobody's laughing. All right. Let's get to it. Why is this showing me some old? This is not the video I want. I want. Oh, yeah. The QAnon Shaman. by the way, he's doing four years. Dumbass.
0: All right. This is from Tucker
1: Carlson show.
0: And at the center of it, the single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q Shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob.
1: Okay, right. I mean, that is a little weird. They're escorting him in there like Floyd Mayweather, like they just walk him in with his big entourage. Like he's the president or like he's Nancy Pelosi.
0: They're walking him in there. A little strange. Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that...
1: Standing there like, oh my God, that's the QAnon shaman. Look at him. Maybe I can get a selfie
0: with him. Capitol police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed police officers to allow us into this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th, the indisputable facts recorded on video some of which has never before been seen with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years.
1: Okay, right, so that is just very strange. Why was Jacob Chansley kind of just walked in there like he was a VIP? I know that on that day it seemed like they wanted to not engage too heavily with the protesters or what What are we calling them? I haven't kept up with January 6th. Are they called protesters or are they called, uh, I don't know, treasonists? Whatever they're calling them these days. They didn't want to engage with them too much and create more bloodshed. But like... There's a fine line between not engaging to the point of creating bloodshed and just walking the guy in there, like flanking him and like making sure no one gets in his way. Unless they were in on it. Yeah, as Tucker Carlson said, the tapes show the Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Yeah, he was probably like, oh, where, where's the Senate floor? Like They didn't have to take him to the Senate floor. They should just be like, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's right this way, Mr. Shaman, and then just let him into a closet. Lock him in the closet. You don't have to forcibly take him, but he seems the kind of guy you could be like, hey, it's right in this room. Take him to the men's room. I don't know. Don't take him onto the Senate floor. Yeah, at one point, the officers are seen walking him past seven other police officers milling around outside the Senate chamber who barely gave him a second look. Like, what did he have a lanyard with a, with a pass on it? Did he have media credentials? They then escort him to various entrances of the chamber, which appear to be locked. Eventually, they help him open a door and he enters the chamber. This is so bizarre. It gets more and more bizarre as I read it. They could have just said, ah, chambers are locked. You know, it's a security thing. There's a bunch of people trying to break in here and, uh, you know, potentially kill people and zip tie them. So we locked the Senate chambers. I'm sure you understand, Mr. Shaman. No, they walked him around until they found the open door. In a jailhouse interview played by Carlson, Jacob Chansley, the QAnon shaman, says the one very serious regret I have is believing that when we were waved in by capital by police officers, that it was acceptable. In a statement, I mean, so is that what they were trying to do? They were just like, you know what? We're going to let you commit this crime all the way so that we can just really stick it to you in court. I feel like just Unlawfully trespassing in the rest of the building before getting to the Senate chamber could have been should have been enough, but in a statement, the Capitol Police suggest that one of the officers with Chansley was trying to de-escalate the situation because he was outnumbered. Okay, maybe until he walks him up to seven other cops, that does not explain why Chansley, who was unarmed, was able to walk past seven more officers without being apprehended. Exactly, not one of them even tried to slow him down, says Carlson. This is a question that does need to be answered. Why was he led in so easily? These are the questions that still need to be answered. I don't like to get mixed up in the whole January 6th thing and the conspiracies and all that because it's like, you know, you're never gonna win. You just go in a circle with this stuff. And whichever side you're on, you're gonna think you're right. But it's bizarre. How bizarre, how bizarre. All right, listen. This is the Dante Greco Show. We're done for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, We'll see what's in the news. Hopefully some interesting stuff. You know, Monday is going to be a little slow. But we will definitely be on top of it, whatever it is. Thank you for joining us. I will see you on the next episode. And as always,
0: have a good life. We will see you soon. Much love. Thank you. Love. <laughs> All right, Dante. Gotcha.
1: So once again, thank you to my brother. Tell him your name again. Dante Greco.
0: Two words. Made in America.
1: <laughs> Dante, you're doing great. See, that's good. I never f- R- R- know R- uh, Listen, I want you to leave my good friend, Ringo uh, well. Yeah, My yeah, pal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Have a
0: good day.